Wonderfuls, welcome to episode 301 of the podcast. Of course, at my new home at Max Fun. I'm so happy. Yay! Thank you for all of you guys who, via social media and otherwise, uh, gave a shout out both to the podcast returning and to the delightfulness of Max Fun. I agree. And I really appreciated seeing all that love. So thank you so much. Kirsty in Arizona, I wanted to make sure to give you a quick hello and a shout out. Uh, you wrote me a while ago and I just had not been caught up on my shout outs but thank you my dear Nissa. same goes to you uh happy happy birthday shannon and sam those happy birthday greetings come via pauline and then i just wanted to once again remind everybody you have the opportunity to sign up for the jv gift club exchange that would mean that you would be giving and receiving a book or two of your favorites from when you were a teenager to participate you can visit the jv club uh, podcast uh, page uh, website. You can also participate by sending an email to Tiana Nakasone. That's T-I-Y-A-N-A dot N-A-K-A-S-O-N-E at gmail.com by Friday, December 14th with your name and mailing address. You pick up a copy new or used of one of your favorite books when you were from when you were a teen and then, uh, you know, just don't feel like you have to spend too much money and just keep in mind just probably going to cost a few bucks to ship it uh, when you're shopping for it. So hopefully you guys who are interested will uh, go ahead and sign up. You can also find all that information on Twitter. If you look uh, at my Twitter feed or at the JV Club podcast feed, they'll you can see the spelling of Tiana's name and all that kind of good stuff. Alrighty, I'm looking forward to participating. Hopefully you will too. And please enjoy this episode with a wonderful Grace Helbig who will be at Sketchfest in January, our first weekend. Check out sfsketchfest.com for details. You can search for her name and uh, hopefully you'll uh, head to one of her shows. All right, everybody. Talk to you soon. Uh, And that is, that's it. Cool. That's and that is it. We're done. We're done. That's wow! It. I get like to get in and get I out. I feel like I've learned a lot. You re- oh you learn oh and you even learn stuff. I learned. God, stuff. I am very educational. Yeah, I've learned that a dog with one eye is absolutely adorable. I know yeah. he's really got a good wink going yeah, on. I know. He does he's look so like coy that all I, the time. I gotta tell you, I could not. It could not have happened fast enough for his hair to grow back because oh geez. when they come back, I mean I. I'm sure I've talked about this maybe once before, but um, when it first happened, I was so pragmatic about it. And it was so like, you know what? It's going to be fine because the doctors were so great. And I was like, I'm so lucky to have him reach this age anyway. And I get it. Like, he's going to have one eye. I've met yeah. lots of cute one-eye dogs. Yeah. They're they're doing great. No no problem. They don't see the world any differently. They don't well, perceive it. <laughs> they literally yeah. do, but probably they're not perceiving it much differently. Yeah. And then he came back, and I had forgotten about the part where they have to shave the side of the dog's face Ooh. and then put giant Frankenstein stitches in. Yeah. And I lost it. Yeah, I, I went don't... from, like, I'm going to be okay with this to seeing him, and I literally ran into this room and stood in that corner oh, no. like I, I was That's, like huh, huh, I'm okay I'm okay I'm yeah. not gonna like he needs me he needs me I would have done the same thing very shaken up and I would have been very Oof. um yeah I don't think I would have mentally been able to prepare for that because yeah. you can't and then you see it and you go oh my god this is horrific ah but I'm the only thing that can help you yes <laughs> oh, oh it was so hard I really had to like shudder with sobs and yeah. then sort of go okay well that's 
about as much time as I have for that. So I guess I'll <laughs> return to being a dog mom. Yeah, we'll push this down emotionally oh, and get man. through it. Yeah, it's a whole thing. But, but yeah, now it grew over. back. It's we'll all fluffy, see. and now he just looks like he's winking all the yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. It looks great. And he looks even more like like an anime dog than he did before, yeah, which yeah, was yeah. quite a lot. It's very cute. Thanks. Very sweet. What's your What's your dog's What's your dog's breed? Or My dog. Her or? name is Goose. Goose. Um, yes. And she is. She's a mix. She's got like a boxer face, but she's very squatty, like an English bulldog. And I think she's got some pit bull in her because she's very aggressive and like has the flat forehead scenario oh, yeah. going yeah. on. Um, but she's she's very cute. She's just like high aggression, high like anxiety, yeah. which I can't fault her for. I mean, yeah. she is my dog after all. And <laughs> dogs. <laughs> That's what I feel about my other dog. dog. Yeah. My husky. I'm like, oh, she's... I like find yeah. myself giving the same excuses to her as I give to myself. Like, exactly. well, listen, she's very smart. Exactly. So she's very sensitive and anxious. Sometimes she just doesn't want to be around people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but she can tolerate being around them for a little bit. She seems to like be doing her own thing. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. So and I've had just friends be like, do you understand the way you talk about goose is exactly how you operate in the world? I'm like, yes, I do see the irony uh-huh. in this situation. <laughs> so I can't get that upset with her. Yeah. There's yeah. a mutual respect, I think, that uh, yeah. happens. And then there's also like a dread of like, God, she, I can't be anxious because she will pick up on it immediately. But Also, then, yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. Like Same she's space. totally the same. Scott is very not like that. And yeah. he's never been the dog that sort of jumps up to her. I mean, he'll get up when you come home. Yeah. And sort of like like half has like half ass wag his tail but it's not much different than he, if he's meeting a new person in fact with a new person he's probably more excited yeah 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 um and so that's the and that's the only dog I've ever owned mm. I didn't grow up with dogs and so I kind of like I thought the whole cliche of like a dog that just you know loves you the most uh-huh. and is really excited when you come home I was like that's probably not real yeah and then when I adopted her swiftly i was like "Ooh, i'm not i'm kind of feeling this like i do feel like she and i have a special bond like humans do like to feel important and self-centered so i'm really getting the benefit of that now the real true greatness of a dog is that they have unconditional love to give yeah and it's really just convenient especially Uh living in los angeles (laughs) that's why everyone here has dogs and their rescue dogs because everyone can feel like a they did a good thing yep they saved a life. Yep. And yeah, the, it, it counterbalances a little bit the oh, constant sure. rejection. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, you can come home from an audition and just be like, oh, yeah. you still love me? Would well, you like me to do the sides for you? <laughs> <laughs> You'll think I'm wonderful. Oh, God. Yeah, it's so true. <laughs> Did you grow up with animals? Did you grow up? I, no, I grew up with... Um, a cat my mom was a definite cat person not a dog person so it was this is how I knew as an adult that I was not in good relationships is that I suddenly was like I need a dog when I lived in I moved from New Jersey uh, after college to Brooklyn with like my college roommate at the time and I was like getting out of a relationship uh, and then just sort of feeling very overwhelmed by the city. I was like, a dog will help. Uh-huh. I'm barely affording rent. And we live in the scummiest apartment uh-huh. ever. And I can't figure out my job. But let me add more responsibility yeah. to my world. And we got this between she and I, because she did grow up with dogs. We got this like teacup chihuahua, oh. which is like, I was really going through it. Uh-huh. Uh, and we named him Doug. And she actually still has him to this day. Because when we moved out away from each other, she moved in with her now husband who had like an Australian cattle dog. 
in Brooklyn, which is crazy. Yeah. And so the dogs got along and ended up in like a really good situation. Um, but then I got goose when I was out here and I was like in a relationship that should have ended uh-huh. like way earlier than it did. Yeah. And was like, mm, okay, I think I need a dog again. Didn't see this, like the connection <laughs> to the first time. And so I ended up getting goose and then that relationship kind of ended. So now goose is my dog, but she's, uh, she is a character, if anything. She is a very hilarious character. I feel like there are far worse, quote unquote, rebounds or like. Yeah, I could have taken you know, up heroin. Yeah. <laughs> I went for the dog. So I think that that's probably the better case scenario yeah. in those moments. These are good. These are good. Uh, yeah, they're good. Those are good things to help you bounce back from stuff. Or, yeah. yeah or but sort it is of- funny because I also like didn't have a dog ever before and like had my friend helping me with the first dog that we had. And so. I was just like, I don't know how to take care of this thing because my mom only had a cat and like was kind of scared of dogs growing up. Um, And so it was just like a full learning curve, but has like fully made me go, oh, a child is like way too much. (laughs) If I am struggling with this thing, like that is... People say it's so different and I absolutely recognize and like I will check off the list, all of the cliches of like, of course, when it's your child, it's different because it's living in your body for nine months. Or even, you know, even if you adopt and it's like, you know, it's the humanity of the child becomes... But I, I have the same feeling when I sort of, you know, get like, I get so cranky about you know when my dog shits inside because yeah. he doesn't know anymore and mm-hmm. I'm not gonna put doggy diapers on him it's not it's not gotten to that yet <laughs> but uh but yeah like cleaning up once in a while right. like a hard shit on the right. wood and being like oh I'm feeling sorry for myself yeah. I'm not changing diapers for oh, you know months and months and months when a baby's no. born and like I have a dog door in my house so I can leave for a couple hours and my dog can let itself out to yeah. go to the bathroom and like you can't leave a child by itself for yeah. a few hours and hope it uses the toilet correctly so. <laughs> good luck to you yeah. enjoy that backyard kiddo yeah exactly uh, I couldn't I'm I if I had a dog door I would I guarantee you it would be like one week minimum I mean one week max before like a skunk would come in well see that's I used to be afraid like animals would get through it but they I think that animals just aren't domesticated so they don't want because I worry about like raccoons and coyotes yeah and I mean I, that would be an incentive for me would be a raccoon I would be like come on in oh really ruin everything but let me tame you and make you a part of the yeah, family like your tiny human hands yeah. that you have yeah uh, yeah no I would but it doesn't happen that. huh Mm-mm, not as of yet but also goose protects the house well yeah like it's, that sounds she sounds like probably the animal that she, doesn't want to be messed with yeah no not at all her bark sounds like um she's like a 200 pound dog but she's so that's slightly helpful yeah yeah so meanwhile the, a teacup chihuahua to me is the my experience of yes having been a cat person yeah. when i had animals before scott uh it was always a cat yeah um and so and so small dogs were just a mystery to me like I understood big dogs and I love big dogs and I love cats but then the thing that is the size of a cat I felt but also somehow feels more frail than a cat like I just don't know how to interact with small dogs very well could fit in my Ugg boot when I first got him, which is like, I couldn't get rid of the New Jersey side of me. I wear Uggs all the time in the winter. And I remember being like, oh my God, this thing's so cute. But at the same time, you're like, oh my God, this thing is so fragile. Yeah. And when Michelle and I, my roommate at the time that got him with me, when we first like moved out, we were doing like divorced parent joint custody situation where I would like go and pick him up. And then we, I take a cab back to my apartment and he's just started puking in the back of every oh, cab. God. And I was like, I can't do this to this little yeah. creature and like make 
him go because he won't i couldn't take him on the subway and it was like too far to walk yeah um and so yeah it was every time i've seen him i'm just like how have you survived in new york for so long especially in this city that is freezing and aggressive and overwhelming and how did we as like idiot 22 year olds (laughs) take care of you in this mix it doesn't make sense um but yeah he's pretty resilient yeah good for him yeah good for that little tiny teacup i know he's doing well he lives in jersey now he's a jersey boy yep now what part of new jersey did you grow up in i grew up in south jersey um across the bridge from philadelphia if you're coming in Oh, okay yeah and then my dad my mom and my stepdad lived like um near philadelphia across the bridge and then my dad and my stepmom lived down by the shore like closer to atlantic city gotcha and then i went to college in northern new jersey like 40 minutes outside of new york city what were you studying when you were up in college? I studied technically communications, contemporary arts. Yeah, I went to school um, on a full scholarship to this tiny liberal arts college that I applied to and got a full ride. And was like, well, that's it. I guess I'm in. College Dude, is done. Totally the same. But, I got an in-state. It was like, you can go yeah. anywhere in the state for a, a full amount. And I was like, what's the furthest away from Tuscan? That's exactly yeah. what I did. Oh, it was and like you oh, it's in the north? Great. Yeah, if I went like three hours north and that was like yeah. as far in-state as I could get that's from totally, being home. That's so funny. But then I got there and the college like was not my ideal scenario for college. I just didn't like think it through enough. Yeah. Uh, and it, What was the environment like? It was just a suitcase school like everyone that went there lived in north jersey and would you know go home on the weekends so it it was just a fully empty experience yeah and like it didn't have a football team it was just like very insular it felt almost like i went to a very small high school so it just felt like a slightly bigger high school yeah yeah um so that's why i started doing improv in new york and like interning in new york i was like well if i want to get to new york after this i may as well not dwell on the fact that this isn't like the raging college experience (laughs) that i saw in movies happening right and like start doing that kind of stuff yeah yeah that's so did you have that experience where i think a lot of people who like you either have the, I mean, some, I feel like I, I, listen, there's a million different ways to go through this whole process and yeah. end up here in Los Angeles. But I feel like I, there are the sort of outliers who were like, oh no, I was, I had a degree in finance. And then I ended up da, da, da. Yeah. And then we, that you have people who were like, I went to Carnegie Mellon or I went to Yale drama mm-hmm. school and they sort of, and I went to NYU and they have that very true. And then I feel like there's a bunch of us in the pocket of like, Eh, I, I didn't really know what to major in. Like yeah. I wasn't, I needed to pick something. Yeah. I could have gone to broadcast. I went to theater, but like I could have maybe done journalism. Like you sort of yeah. get into that mishmash of like, eh, this will do. Yeah, exactly. I wanted to, when I was in, I knew that I wanted to do something in entertainment and something comedic. And I thought I was going to be a writer. Like I thought that's Tina Fey was like just coming up on SNL and all of that. And so I was like, this seems like um, the best avenue for me because I was really shy at the time too that I was like, I don't want to do like performing. Like I don't have that. I'm not a theater kid. Even when I tried to go like be around the theater kids, I was like, whoa, they're different than me. Uh They're way more like they're all giving each other massages and like singing songs. And I was just like, I'm so embarrassed on behalf of us that that is a thousand percent accurate. They'd always just be like lounging on each other in the lobby. We had this really amazing theater department at the school. I was just never, I couldn't sing. So it just always felt like this world that I was like, oh man, I can't, I don't fully fit in there. And so I got into comedy and wanting to do like sketch writing or wanting to do screenwriting. 
um, and the school was really small. So like the writing classes were maybe like 12 people and there wasn't a writing major. Mm. It was just contemporary arts. Um, but I found this loophole in our system called a contract major, which oh. no one ever talked about. I remember this is like how <laughs> boring I was in school is that I was like, how do I figure out how to get out of here quick, uh-huh. as quick as possible? <laughs> and I would like go back through like all the pages of notes about like uh, the grading systems and how the school worked. And I found this thing called contract major where you could go to the head of your um, school, like the school of contemporary arts that I was in. Uh, to the dean and basically write out some sort of um, thesis statement on why you want to major in something that isn't a full major at the school, like writing, um, and then explain why and explain at each semester which classes you wanted to take since there yeah. wasn't already a program or a track for that. And so no one else was doing this at the time. And I was like, how is no one doing it? This is the coolest. Like, I don't yeah. have to take any the build The sort of build your own major. Literally it's build. like being at a frozen yogurt place. Yeah. Toppings like, galore. This is like a Ponderosa salad bar that you yeah. can just go nuts on. And so he was like, yes, of course you can do that. Um, and so every semester I would just have to sit down with him and say, these are the classes I want to take this semester. That's why then I started to tell all my friends about this and they're like, we're going to do that too. So like five or six of them went to try and get contract majors. Then the next semester they shut down contract (laughs) majoring because everyone was like, wait a minute. You broke it. You broke the system. I don't have to take math if I do this. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I technically have a contemporary arts major and then took a bunch of writing classes. I met this really awesome screenwriter named Roberto Marinas. And he was kind of um, like an adjunct professor that became a professor and um, ended up getting like a Disney fellowship out here, like halfway through because we started like doing independent workshops together just to write scripts. And I was like, cool, this is like amazing experience but then he had to leave to come out here to do writing and I was like no the one person that was like yeah. giving me like real honest guidance about things but yeah also like good for you you're still working yeah <laughs> like, absolutely great. um yeah and then when I started doing improv it was just like getting more into that world of performing and trying that out and seeing what happened which is a very bizarre trajectory, very weird path. But it still feels, to, it still sounds to me, I mean, even just to have the presence of mind to explore the idea of the contract major, like that, for me, that was, that would have been so great for me. And I just didn't even, I would never have even known to, yeah. which is kind of dumb because I remember friends of mine who went to kind of more expensive, prestigious universities where mm-hmm. perhaps they have to offer that yes. more easily because they know that people's parents are spending like $60,000 mm-hmm. a year. Yeah. And so I did, rem- like I do remember a friend of mine created his own major at Stanford. So I, that, I knew that was a thing, but that was like like so much in my life. I just, things that happened to other people seemed like they were only for other people. Yeah. And that whatever was right in front of me was what I had access to. And I just like definitely did not really poke around, you know, in yeah. any kind of way. I think I just happened to find it. And then when I like emailed our, the dean of our schools and he was like, yeah, come on in. And then it was like, oh, this can happen. Okay, yeah. This is cool. I'm scared. I'm scared and I don't know exactly how to do this, but I'm going to just see what happens until t- someone says no. Um, and it was, yeah, it was really, it was good. It was helpful. But also I, after my first semester at, it's called Ram, Ramapo, that's mm-hmm. the name of the school. Um, I was like so lonely and sad and like bummed about like my college experience that I had all of these new, uh, applications for like NYU and all like these real quote unquote schools right. that I thought would help me get into entertainment. And my mom was like, just wait one semester just give it one more semester, like in the back of her head. In hindsight, she's just thinking money, 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 yeah, money. Yeah. But I stayed for one more semester and then like finally like met people that were like also like minded and like 
interested in entertainment and comedy. Your mom was like, Phew. yeah, she was like, we did that. Okay, yeah. stay there, stay yeah. there. And to be honest, like after graduating, not having student loans Dude, is insane. I am so grateful. I forget I'm all so like a lot of times until I hear friends talk about it. And uh, yeah, I was just like, oh yeah, that <clears throat> was like a truly amazing thing. Yeah. And like totally get my parents subvertly being like maybe stay a little longer yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah. no it's true I mean I think there's it is sort of like you know these various points in our lives this you you sort of even if you don't know you're making a sacrifice Mm -hmm. in the present sometimes there is a benefit to that and obviously I'm sure there you know there's many friends who have student loan debt and are like I'm fine with that because it led to this and I would never you know give up my college experiences and all that but I think for me because I was so timid about so many things if I had piled on being mm-hmm. in debt to my already pragmatic self oh I would have just like I I just would have just crawled into a little ball yeah. and not taken any chances because I'm like I have to pay this back I have to pay yeah. this back like what what accounting job is going to give me the most like, yeah exactly yeah. all your opportunities for things start to like narrow when you have something major that needs to be taken care yeah. of yeah absolutely Okay, we're going to take a break. I will be back after a word from our wonderful buddies at Maximum Fun. Hey, if you like your podcast to be focused and well-researched and your podcast host to be uncharismatic, unhorny strangers who have no interest in horses, then this is not the podcast for you. Yeah, and what's your deal? <laughs> I'm Emily. I'm Lisa. Our show's called Baby Geniuses. And its hosts are horny adult idiots. We discover weird Wikipedia pages every episode. We discuss institutional misogyny. We ask each other the dumbest questions and our listeners won't stop sending us pictures of their butts. We haven't asked them to stop, but they also aren't stopping. Join us on Baby Geniuses every other week on MaximumFun.org. You mentioned that your that your high school is really small as mm-hmm. well. Tell me tell me what that was like. Ooh, high school. It's so funny now because my high school is really small. My graduating class is like 150 kids, and that was from oh, yeah, four sending small. districts. Um, and it was, I was so shy in middle school and high school. So basically we had four different elementary schools that went up to sixth grade and then seventh grade, you went to Gateway Regional High School in South Jersey. And there was uh, four towns that all sent your, their students to seventh grade there. And the middle school was attached to the high school. So I basically went to high school from seventh through 12th grade with the same group of kids. Um, and it was, I was just super, super shy. I did not like adjust well to like socializing with now these three other sending districts in seventh grade. And so I just focused on like sports and, uh, and like doing well in school. Like I was such a dork and jock at the same time, Uh oddly. (laughs) And it's funny now in hindsight, I've seen people, see things about me on the internet from my high school being like I had no idea like this girl could talk like she (laughs) this is so bizarre yeah yeah it was I was always interested in comedy I had a really really good friend named Rachel um and we were both kind of like these weird outlier shy girls but she like loved SNL and so did I and so we became like we went as Hans and Franz for Halloween and it was just like oh we became really good friends and like into comedy and anytime we had an opportunity on a school project to like make a multimedia thing like we made movies and sketches and things like that um and so that piqued my interest more and more for like what's the entertainment side of things here um 
and like I did school plays, but they were like so rickety. Like <laughs> the resources we had for them in our yeah. school, it was like twelve people tried out, and everyone got a part because there wasn't even enough people to yeah. be in the play. <laughs> uh, so it was it was fun, but it was also I was so shy and so scared. Yeah, yeah. What were the what sports were you playing? I did um, tennis, and track became like my main thing. I was doing gymnastics for a while until I reached like seventh grade. Um, and then when I stopped gymnastics, I like grew like four or five inches. I was never meant to be a gymnast. My mom's five. Yeah. 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 I, like it just wasn't genetically in my future. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so then I started doing track and I got into like hurdles and high jump and like, Shit, yeah. yeah, I basically look like a daddy long leg spider walking around. Uh-huh. Like my limbs are so long <laughs> and I was like so petite. Yeah. Um, and so then I started like doing okay at that cause there wasn't much. The, our track team was very small, so our coaches were, like, really nice and dedicated, did the best they could with, like, how lowly financed everything was. Uh, and so that became... You're like, and we're, so we were jumping over garbage uh, bins. I mean, in a we way, were, we used to... For indoor track, we had no place to practice, so we just practiced in the hallways of the school and just set up hurdles in the hallway. Oh, wow. And run down back and forth all yeah. around. Um, and, yeah, it was it was really fun, but that became, like, this thing that I was, like, oh, very goal-oriented of, like, if I'm doing well and succeeding at this thing, I'll focus on this thing. Sure, sure. And, uh, yeah, it was cool, but also, like, I was never going to be a college track athlete at yeah. all, so it was a very short-lived window of jock-isms. <laughs> <laughs> and how about tennis? See, I lo- tennis was something that, um, I mean – I couldn't even tell you now if we had a tennis team. We certainly had tennis courts. Yeah. We must have had a tennis team. My dad coached tennis when I was a little kid. Okay. But I was so adverse to sports by the time of high school. Like, I had really talked myself out of being athletic other than riding my bike on my own. Um, That, but, and like, so I just never even had held a racket. And then only as an adult here did I start hitting the ball around and going like oh man this is great I know I miss it now I started because my a couple of my friends were on the tennis team and they like grew up playing my dad would take um my brother and I to play tennis like during the week but he would literally play with like a wooden racket like we were the garbage pail kids that would show up to the playground and be like can we get a court and we'd like hit balls into everyone's court Uh and be like oh god (laughs) sorry and but we were like okay but never good my dad would quote teach us but he was no like william's sister father Uh like he had no idea what he was doing (laughs) so our skills were so limited uh but we would try hard (laughs) which i think helped so yeah every fall i would play tennis and then um we were okay everything was totally fine i think just i had an advantage because i had long limbs that when i played doubles i could cover yeah. a court decently. you can cover a lot of distance yeah and that's i was never consistent at all in making good shots because i had no idea what like form was or and had no like uh base level knowledge of like learning how to play yeah um but i would just run my uh-huh. heart out as <laughs> much as i could so very scrappy but it was it was really fun and um and then I taught tennis in college for like three years when I was in college. As a Were you kid. teaching just the run Children, your heart out skills? Literally that. Because <laughs> I, I saw, I remember going to like the uh, lunch area and seeing like the very stereotypical like um, bulletin board of like people's flyers for everything and saw this guy advertising that you could make $20 an hour teaching tennis. And to Not me, bad. I was like, that's like a million dollars as a freshman in Absolutely. College. That's huge. Yeah, so I signed up, and um, it's basically just 
throwing by hand balls at like very wealthy kids uh-huh. that whose parents don't want to really hang out with them after school. And so I just did that for, yeah, three or four years. And, um, that was like my best boss I ever had, uh, Barry. And he, uh, would raise your, uh, how much you got paid $2, like every basically like semester that you worked with him. Yeah. So I was like, I'm working with you every winter. Yeah, it's you summer, and me, dude. Spring. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so that was really, and then I worked like the front desk at the racket club that he owned. And that's like a whole, that was such a weird world. It was like such an affluent world. Uh-huh. Cause that's the other thing. Tennis is a really expensive sport. Yeah. So that's, that's why we were also never true. great. Cause it was just like, Oh, here's this racket that we got on clearance at like Sam's club that yeah. I'm using for yeah. this. And then you, fi- you play against these girls that are holding these like $500 rackets and like pristine like tennis dresses mm-hmm. and like insane sneakers and you're just like hmm they have an advantage I see yeah uh when you were writing stuff with your with your friend Rachel mm-hmm. um was that were you guys also having those kinds of conversations like had what if we took this out into the world or was it like did it feel very contained to well, we're only doing this because it's like for a class and like yeah. this is our way of tap- tapping into that for now I think it was very just um really for us it was just I think we both felt like a little bit of outsiders and like weren't like girly girls we're both like super tomboys and liked comedy and uh it was more like what's the most ridiculous thing that we could make I remember we were in like a geom no uh algebra class or something together and we were allowed for whatever reason Miss Cosgrove was our teacher and she made she let us do like multimedia for algebra if we wanted to and we were like can we make a move? Can we make a film? And she was like, I guess so. And oh. this was like the honors class. So there was like 10 of us in it or something. And we made a song uh, to Mary Moe called Mrs. Cosgrove. And we used Rachel's Golden Retrievers. And we just did like a parody of like our class in like a music video form. And she was so upset because she thought we were calling her a dog because we had the dogs dressed up like <laughs> no. her. And we were like, no, 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 no. That's oh, no. The, not the thing at all. Oh, no. So a lot of it was stuff like that, like for ourselves. How does that, how does that play into like the principles of math? I don't know. Couldn't like were the lyrics you. about like, and everyone knows when you square this theorem. Yeah, basically. Well, it was all just inside jokes about her and everyone that was in the class. It had nothing to do with math. Okay. I think it was like an end of the year, like your final project. I'm giving you guys some free range because she was pretty funny and like had a decent like rapport with us that was more casual than like professional. So we're uh, like, like a golden retriever. Wait, no, no, yeah, no, no, I mean, she wasn't. Like no, a, no, you're golden. That's what we mean. <laughs> uh, and so a lot of it Rachel went into. She's like in dentistry now. So she was always going more academic uh, side of things. And I was like, mm, I do want to do like the entertainment side of things so that's kind of where it like split up like a lot of the jokes were just for us like we had a joke with our friend Danielle at one point that we would always um just tell her how attractive we thought her dad was because he was like this very stereotypical Italian like almost mafioso boss type guy so we just always and she gets so mad uh, we were like, what if one Halloween we show up dressed as your dad and you make your dad answer the door? Uh-huh. If we do that, and she was like, you'll never do that. We're like, oh, 100% we'll do that. Uh-huh. And so we made a bet that if we did that, we let him answer the door and give us candy and we tried to make him guess who we were, um, that she would have to dress up like a tampon if we did that. So 
we did and he didn't know where we were for a long time and then we finally told him and he was like all right and then just like shuffled off and i was like you have to be a tampon now and i remember in like my laundry room making a tampon costume oh, out no. of like poster board wait so she did she like honored that she did but she only did That's it for impressive. like the last when we you went trick-or-treating and then like they had a curfew so she's like i'll do it for the last 15 minutes of mm-hmm. trick-or-treating and we're like that's fine fine by us we did it look costume. was the costume good enough that it was very clear that she was a tampon it or was, could she get away with being like if you don't know i'm not gonna tell had, you adult we're so immature and stupid they were like you have red hair perfect that's already the end of the tampon <laughs> and then just made a just like cylinder, like yep poster board with uh, straps on it that she just wore like a dress and then put a string hanging out from the bottom of it and then we just went with her with no context of her hmm. being uh, at front doors and then people would be like what are you and we'd be like try and guess what she is oh, no. and it was uh, did it was, anyone get it right no not that I remember I was pretty mean in hindsight I mean, <laughs> I, it's, like, I mean it's pretty mean it's very funny it's very funny um but, I, I and i also enjoy that the that, that her dad was just like no nah, yeah okay. he just couldn't care what did you, were we how were you guys dressed we were just in full um like nike or adidas like track suits and uh-huh. like full gold chains and like and that's how he dressed all and the he time he couldn't see he that, couldn't see it but he also amazing. didn't care but we were also like in ninth grade just like crying laughing like pissing ourselves being like this is the funniest thing ever but yeah it was um yeah, so Rachel is a dentist now. <laughs> <laughs> so it all worked out. She's not a gynecologist. No. Uh, despite the tampon costume. No, unfortunately. Um, did you ever, like, just what you're saying makes me wonder, because this, I could see this being something a shy person who mm-hmm. also is a little bit mischievous could do, which would be to, like, gently prank strangers in a way that sort of keeps you safe like um, like prank calls or anything like that did you ever go down that road we yeah we did um so I was in AP English in my senior year and so it's like a room of nerds and dorks that don't party that like bear, like we didn't really drink or do anything like bad and I remember we had a group of guy friends that all had a um comedy group that they would make these like full like Monty Python type videos every year together and have like screenings and show them which was like really fun so we're all just those kind of dorks and we had this one teacher named Mr. Howard who was just this looney tune of a guy and his kids went to the school too but he was one of those guys that like knew kids thought he was like a silly crazy person so he really fed into Uh it like he just put rubber rubber bands around his head and like pull them back and stuff (gasps) like that it was like that's a real Johnny Knoxville yeah he was uh he was really really intelligent but I think he just liked fucking with students and being like a weirdo Uh um and so we decided for whatever reason this is what we decided on we're like we're gonna prank him at the end of our senior year before we graduate and so we were pranking him by in class there was like uh only a handful of us in this AP class so we'd all circle our desks together in the corner of the room and so we were deciding that every year he always had all these like tchotchkes all over his desk that one day at a time one of us would go to his desk and take something <laughs> leading up to the end of the year and like three weeks into doing this he finally was like stuff has been missing from my desk and he would like ask our class and we'd be like I have no idea what you're talking about yeah because uh, he taught a bunch of other classes throughout the day and then we finally took all the stuff and he's like something's happening I know something's <laughs> happening and then we decided that the last day after our graduation that we were going to camp out in his backyard with a tent 
I don't wow. know how this got settled because wow. he lived in the uh, Winona, one of the towns that went to the high school. And that in the morning, we're going to try and like sneak in, have, like take photos of us being like, we camped in your backyard and then leave all of the stuff for him on his front porch. Because he was a guy that like really prided himself on being aware of everyone's social connections to each uh-huh. other. And so he'd try to like exploit that sometimes in hindsight. Like of, how in what way? Of being like, knowing if someone's like flirting with someone else in class or knowing because his kids are friends with everyone oh, like okay, he kind of knows okay. like the inner dynamics yeah 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 and so you could see that he just prided himself on like knowing he's like i'm hip things. to their tricks yeah and so that was our like prank was that we camped down in his backyard and then put all the stuff on his front porch the next day and we thought we we're like this is crazy look what Epic. we did but in hindsight i'm like that's if I was a teacher and I went in the backyard and my AP English class was just in a tent in the backyard, I'd be like, the fuck is going on, you guys? We gotta well, maybe get not, you guys some beer like, and see what happens. Yeah, if it's not like apropos of like, well, you remember how you told us once that you went camping yeah. and da da da. Like if it literally is just like, we just pitched a tent yeah. for some reason. But then I remember when there was a period of time where um, Rachel and I went to Ramapo together at first and then she transferred to a different college like a semester after. So when I would come home um, on weekends for whatever reason, we decided it got really funny to egg cars of people <laughs> that we knew yeah. that uh, have you know possibly scorned us in the past. Uh-huh. So basically, we're just like terrible like teenage boys. Uh-huh. And there was a guy that I was like sort of seeing that I had like a crush on, and then apparently he like went out with this other girl. It's basically like I was like fuck you, dude. Like he behind my back, and he was already like kind of a scummy kid. That I was like, why do I like this person? Uh-huh. And then found out all this stuff about him. As so Rachel's like, let's egg his car, and I was like, oh, you know what? That sounds yeah. right. Let's do that. <laughs> and we did, and then we found out months and months later because it was like during winter break that the egg had um, frozen onto his car, and he was like a DJ, so he had this like custom paint job on his car and the egg had to be scraped off and took off all the paint and i was like wow i feel bad (laughs) but also that's kind of hilarious that that happened yeah we thought it was just gonna be egg residue uh so that's like the extent of pranks that we got into i get nervous around pranks yeah i do yeah i do too it's not something that i uh enjoy doing as an adult yeah Yeah. i definitely feel the same way yeah um so you mentioned that you did date him what was that and that's when you came home from your first semester and so we're in high school were you dating no i wasn't dating in high school um i did uh i did date this is so random and weird and i forget so much that this happened to me in high school uh, so I was in Latin club. Can you believe it? And <laughs> for six years from like seventh grade to graduating. And every summer there was a Latin convention that would happen somewhere in the U.S., like on a college campus. And all the Latin clubs would come. And basically it's like, you know, you go and you stay in dorms on these college campuses for a week and you do all these different things. And there's basically like a team like schools are competing against each other in like almost like field day type events okay um like you'd have an ultimate frisbee competition and then you'd have like basically like track and field but they make it seem like ancient roman blah 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 and you're like oh god uh-huh. and you wear togas and there's like dances at the end of the night and there was um this all boys high school marquette from uh milwaukee and they were like the cool boys that uh-huh. were all very cute and they would like drink and smoke and they got kicked out of the convention because they were shit faced. Um, but we all as like 
dirty Jersey girls were like, we like these boys. <laughs> and so I ended up talking with one of them named Pat forever afterwards. And because I like wasn't dating or super social, for some reason, my dad found out that I was like, friends and talking with this guy from wisconsin and he was, was literally like do you want to go out there oh and wow. i was like what wow yeah i was like the, uh i think he was just like you need to date someone uh -huh. anyone please <laughs> uh and i was like um well he talked about like prom and so i ended up going to milwaukee to go to his prom with him with uh. my stepmom came with me because i think Amazing. I'm her only like daughter. And so I think she was living vicariously through this. Like, yeah. I'm taking you to prom moment. Yeah. Um, and then he, yeah, he, he and his dad had come out to like New Jersey and like hung out with us a couple different times, like met my parents. It was a weird like year, year and a half of, of that. But he was like a grade below me. Were you like staying up on the phone talking to him and yeah. stuff? Oh, and yeah. instant messenger yeah. for Long sure. Distance. Yeah. Um, and so that was like, a pseudo dating thing but it just fizzled out because i went to college and then he was like doing his senior year um of school but yeah i remember going out there a couple times and it was like super fun and very weird and then like when i went to college it was just sort of like oh this is done like not a yeah. real thing uh and that was like the closest thing i had to like a quote like relationship in high school yeah um and then i didn't and then i got a boyfriend when I uh, started dating someone in freshman year of college, which is like one of the reasons I decided like maybe I'll stay a little right. longer at the school. <laughs> yeah. God, that's so, yeah. Well, I was going to say, I mean, if you, I, I guess if I had like put money down on what uh, something that might come up for you in high school would be, I would assume it would be someone from outside your school since you do sort of know all of these kids and you kind of yeah. come up with them and you know grow up with them and yeah. so from I mean, the someone from the outside would p potentially be so exciting oh like, that's why going to the latin conventions even though it sounds like the dorkiest thing ever was so much fun yeah because you literally are just going in buses and buses of all these kids that you've never met before across the country that's what i imagine people that went to camp loved about yes. camp yeah because uh, i didn't have any of that so yeah. this was like the closest thing to camp and you just kind of like partied for a week in dorms and it was like something so foreign for everyone uh, about what was going on. So it was it was really fun and it was very cool. But um, it was also just like so silly. Yeah. So ridiculous. Yeah. The hormones, man. The hormones. hormones. I had a couple of those like like student councils, especially in junior high by high school. Like I did stuff like that in college through theater competitions and stuff. Yeah. But high school, I don't feel like I ever did anything where I would have been on any kind of a field trip like that, really. But junior high, we did do some stuff like that for student council and whatnot. Yeah. And I just remember, like, I felt like I, we almost just had the most wild looks in our eyes. Like, yeah. There's just this sense of like hedonism but we were all fairly square oh, so it's like yeah. what does that mean does yeah. it mean like you make out with someone in the hall of a know. dorm you've just settled into for the night like oh, there yeah. wasn't anything but I just I just remember feeling so tightly wound like uh -huh. you know it's a high it's yeah. really it's a, such a high yeah it's very strange yeah because there's like there's a weird dorkiness to all of it that you're like teachers must have looked at all of these like vibrating hormonal yeah. like ecosystems of people bouncing off of each other and been like they're fine meanwhile yeah. all these other kids are just like getting each other pregnant at like house parties and i was yeah. like mm, yeah those the my experiences were all pretty tame oh oh it's time for a quick break i will be back after a word from our friends at maximum fun 
I'm bailiff Jesse Thorne. And I'm Judge John Hodgman. If you live on the west coast of North America, we're coming your way. That's right, Judge John Hodgman is taking justice to the west coast on tour. Starting where? Vancouver, British Columbia, January 15th, then to Seattle, Washington on the 16th, Portland, Oregon on the 17th, San Francisco, California on the 18th, and Los Angeles, California, the City of Angels on January 22nd. Tickets are on sale now. You can find links to all of the shows at MaximumFun.org. And if you're going to be in one of those cities and you have a dispute we can try on stage, send it to us. Just go to MaximumFun.org slash JJHO or email Hodgman at MaximumFun.org. I'm ready to judge you on the road. Take that, Jack Kerouac, author of On the Road. I appreciate the description of the Latin convention because I frankly was going to say, like, please tell me what that even entails. Yeah, yeah. So that all kind of makes sense to me. The Latin club. Uh huh. So is that just essentially like, do you also take Latin as yeah. a class in school and then there's an after school Latin yeah, club? I was taking um, Latin since seventh grade. My brother had taken, my older brother, um, who I like idolize in a lot of ways, had taken it. And he had a bunch of, he was into like punk and ska and all of his like scummy punk ska friends all did it. And I was like, oh, cool people do that uh-huh. club. Um, and I forget exactly how it worked that like you could also join Latin club or you were automatically in Latin club. I think, I think our teacher, because she was like pretty renowned in like that world and was like the on Latin the board. Yeah. It was like on the board of directees and like all of that stuff. But I think she had us all automatically sign up just so we by default had like the biggest Latin club in South Jersey. Mm. I don't know exactly how it works. <laughs> biggest Latin club in South Jersey. Yeah. It was a pretty, maybe my new favorite thing. Right? It was a very weird thing. Um, and then, yeah, then you would have like, she would throw different events, like different like bacchanalias and stuff like that, like at the school and like raise money for things. And then, you would have like a field day, I think. And then the big thing was like um, the Latin convention. There was like a state convention. And then there was like um, the one that happened somewhere in the U.S. And so the state competition, you'd go up with all the other Latin clubs from New Jersey. And basically it's a full day of just like competition and like flag day type of stuff. And so I just remember her recruiting like all the jocks that all the kids that were like uh-huh. pseudo jocks, like strong people yeah. to like be she, she was wants so, to jack the system, get a little Oh, uh, she was so serious about it. Her Miss Sipalone, she lived down the street from me. Um and she got she, to the top for a reason. Exactly. This was her livelihood and she did a good <laughs> job. It was great. Do you and this is another thing. Again, it's like I there there may have been a Latin club. There may right. have been. I'm sure there would have been. And I was on a campus that was two shared schools. Uh-huh. One was a college prep school, and one was just a regular high school. Yeah. But you could take classes for both. Okay. Um. And so I'm sure at the college prep class there would would have been a Latin club. But again, that's something that I was taking French, which made sense to me just oh yeah because I loved France. My mom had taught French and all this, but um. But the whole Latin thing, again, was like totally lost on me. And that's something now as an adult and enjoying language and yeah. doing crosswords and like sort of being this nerd in that way. That's something I, f- but, but I, but I look at myself now, I'm like, oh, this only now would I be the kid, like now I'm the kid who's interested in Latin club, but it's right. far too late. And this I was, never was then. Honestly, it wasn't a thing that I was genuinely interested uh-huh. in. <laughs> it was, um, 
it was one of the biggest clubs at our school that had like notoriety and um it so thinking twofold one my older brother did it so i was like that's kind of cool i'll do it too um and then also being all my friends were in my latin class with me so that was an added social bonus and then it also just looked good on a resume for college eventually yeah. that it yeah. was like latin seems so like prestigious and like yeah. oh my god you went to this like bleak south jersey high school and you did latin <laughs> for six years how interesting so it was like always long-term planning in that way i couldn't tell you uh, the only thing i remember is semper ubi sub ubi means always wear underwear <laughs> of course but that's it it's so weird. And the only other thing I fully remember <laughs> is that our teacher had her entire classroom decked out. Every like inch of the wall was taken up with some sort of paraphernalia. And uh, every other year or so, they, she would do Latin club trips to Rome with a bunch of people that Oof. could afford it. Yeah. Um, but she had everything decorated from those trips on the wall. And then a signed headshot of Teller from Penn and Teller, Amazing. who was her friend, supposedly. Amazing. I have no idea how they met each other. I forget what the origin story Wait, was. Listen, I would not be in the least surprised who it was like oh you didn't know like yeah. oh no, teller was like the captain of the latin team through, yeah you know it would the end of so college much sense, those but guys that was, are so smart it was just so funny That's to so look at the funny. light switch and just every single day hey, just teller. see teller in a framed <laughs> like deli like headshot sign uh, also like, i oh. feel like I don't know there are that many places where a pen wouldn't also appear like you yeah know what I mean? to well, that just have too, teller on his own like, you might be like for a second you're like wait don't I know him from somewhere? But yeah. then you put the picture of Penn, you're like, oh, it's Penn and Teller. Well, she made sure that we all knew that she was good friends <laughs> sure with Teller. And all of us were just like, all right, all right, uh -huh. this is really cool. Very did cool. you get to, did you, you know, you, the way you said students who could afford to go to Rome? Yeah, I did not get to yeah. go. No, yeah. they, we were, I was actually going to go one year. A bunch of my friends were also in Spanish club and they were going to Spain, um, Morocco, and uh, um, Portugal, I think, one year. And I was going to go on that trip with them and be like, oh, this will be cool. Um, but then it was like right after 9-11 happened. And so they had to cancel like all international travel from sure. um, the the school. But yeah, I never went on the, the Rome trip. I think I was like, I don't want to go with Miss Cipollone for like a week. Like, yeah, I think I'll go with the Spanish club. I don't know yeah. their teacher at all. And so I'd rather do that. Yeah. Um, but no, did not go. How was, not to just get super dark before, mm -hmm. right before I get into this MASH game, but how, what, um, you know, I've only ever lived on the West Coast. Yeah. Uh, I was, I'm sure I've said before that I had occasion to be in New York the, exactly a month after 9-11. So oh, I certainly wow. experienced being, coming in from the outside and yeah. like, it was very much still a huge part of everyday life at that point. What was that like for you being so close and being, I don't yeah. think I've talked to many people who were living and going to school in, in the, in the New York area when that happened. Yeah. I mean, we were, my high school is still like three hours outside of New York. Um, but I remember being in my junior year class with Mr. Howard, the English teacher. Um, and he, just got a phone call and like was like what and it was like totally silent and we thought oh he's doing some bit right now what's this gonna be and he just turned on the tv and sat at his desk and we watched like literally less than 30 seconds after he turned on the tv the second tower was hit in real time and all of us were just like not knowing what's going on and he wasn't saying anything we're all just watching this news system god that's a it was That's so heavy and heavy so, immersion into something like that. And it was so confusing from like one of our teachers that was always on, always doing some sort of bit or like Andy Kaufman type of scenario. And so we were just like, 
even more confused. As yeah, your to, brain like, doesn't know what. To, like, we're like, what's what my emotional response to this? Yeah, and then the rest of the day. Um, I remember they made the announcement of like trying to say like this is kind of what's happening as much as we know and we had TVs in like a school system of TVs in every classroom and they just let us go from classroom to classroom they were like if anyone needs to leave they can and I remember I had I took a musical theater class um, which wasn't really musical theater but I remember just a girl crying in that class because her brother was like a first responder like an EMT up in the area and that was like everyone consoling her but it was just a day where in every class the teachers let the news be on and so you could we just sat and watched the news Mm. all day long um and it was just oh i think we're all just confused um and i don't remember much happening after that i forget exactly like the chain of events of like how everything went back to normal i think we might have had the day off the next day i'm not totally sure but we were still slightly far enough removed that it wasn't something that completely affected everyone Mm -hmm. in the school some people had like friends or family that lived closer Mm -hmm. um but yeah it was just a weird thing to see happen i think all of us were just trying to process what was going on yeah and then you go through your rolodex in your brain of like do i know anyone that lives up there do my parents know anyone that lives up there what's going on how does this what happens next and also just being like old enough i mean that's what blows me away is that that's a terrible use of that isn't that that's really what happens uh subconsciously in your brain is that you use the worst possible words Mm -hmm. like the the worst possible euphemisms at exactly the wrong time because your brain doesn't know the difference like i was listening to i listened to a lot of crime podcasts and i was listening to one where um someone what someone said something like you know, I don't, I can't, now I can't remember what it was, but it was like, uh, you know, it was like the, he's like the most wonderful, sensitive, like uh-huh. he just quit, you know, he does, he, he's tr- just trying to get innocent people out of prison and like yeah. he's so sensitive to the victims and stuff. And he was talking about a person who had been shot in the head and like moments later he was like, so, and then we weren't able to pull the trigger on that, da, da, da. Yeah. Because like, and, and I was like, oh no, it- don't say that. But like your brain, you're not doing it purposely. It's almost like it's making the connection, but not in a way that's helpful. Like, oh, don't maybe let's not exactly. Use those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, it was very, it was very strange. That's happened before. You know, I've had friends point out that like have parents with like mental health issues that, and I have as an adult had to like be cognizant and more aware because I would say colloquially that's crazy all the time. And then after a friend pointed out one time to me that like it affects her negatively, mm-hmm. and not that she's saying you know uh, anything is purposely said in front of her it's just one of those colloquialisms that you realize oh there is a bigger potential sensitivity yeah Yeah. to what this actually means well thanks for getting on my terms because i'm sorry i said that blew me away but uh (laughs) i am very appalled and i and, and, and then also sort of when i look at um now I meet young people like yeah. it's been long enough that I meet young people who have had no reality except post 9-11 yeah that's yeah. so that's just so crazy to me. like crazy but yeah. that's that it, it really is that sort of point of reckoning of like oh I'm I yeah. could have been, had I been born you know mm-hmm. x many years later like I would not even yeah. know the world before 9-11 it would just be part of the sort of history of my life and my upbringing and yeah and it's it's weird I remember cause I was I guess I was 14, 15 when it happened, I think. Um, and I was a person like I wasn't into history or news or politics at all. I just that whole arena overwhelmed me. 
history was always my worst class because I just couldn't remember dates or names or people or like how the world worked as a whole. And so it was even more difficult to process what was happening because I wasn't informed and I wasn't um, fully aware of like the scope and why and who and is what does this mean Mm -hmm. scenario. And I think I still was like stunted in my like developing understanding of exactly like what happened and Mm -hmm. why it happened um which is so nuts i mean fast forward to like today and now you're like i need to be informed about politics it is truly going to affect myself and the others around me absolutely absolutely yeah um just to bop back to this before we Mm -hmm. play this mash game you mentioned that your brother was an influential on you and that he was into like scott so what what kind of music were you listening to his kind of music because you kind of looked up to him or were you listening to i'm so bad about music and it's still something i'm like insecure about the fact that i like pop music uh music was always a world that i felt like i did not know like history like I could not figure out how people learn things about music uh-huh. we as a, uh, a household growing up it's very funny we just never really listened to music my mom would put the radio on but it'd be like 80s and 90s hit music 70s um and but we never like talked or listened to anything or like went to concerts and I remember I dated this guy in college who was really cool like really like love of my life scenario and like I was just so into like music and the world and um, meditation and like spirituality and all this stuff. And he came back to my dad's house with me for a weekend and we were all hanging out. And the one thing that we would always do at my dad's house growing up is watch SNL. And um, he was with my whole family. We're all just hanging out watching SNL and then like we're talking. And then later that night he was like, your family is very silly. And I was like, why? What happened? He's like, you guys are all watching SNL and then as soon as the music act comes up, your dad mutes the TV and you guys, you guys <laughs> all just talk about all the sketches that you just saw. And I was like, oh, I guess you're right. And like a full switch flipped in my brain of that's why I don't think I've like cared about music very much because I've never been like shown or told like yeah. how to talk about it or how to discover. So my what older brother. Yeah, yeah that's my, so crazy. My older brother was into a sky. He had a ska band called Shoveled Up Corpses, Dead Rotting You. Shoveled up for short, which is like the most stupid South Jersey Amazing. thing ever. Amazing. Um but he I remember downloaded Napster onto our computer for the first time. And yeah. I was like, oh this is how you get music. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? Yeah. And so I was just re-download and burn cds of the songs he had already downloaded which is like a lot of like punk cover songs Mm -hmm. of things so i would just listen to like the same 10 punk cover songs on repeat on a cd being like i think i know music i know music right look at me yeah and so i've just never been super into music other than like pop music now as an adult do i feel slightly less embarrassed just being a full taylor swift fan uh, listen, this is what I've said this before. I cannot embrace more the idea of getting older and being like, <laughs> I like what I like. Yeah, and that's okay. You can go fuck yourself yeah, if you yeah, want to yeah. judge me for it. Yeah, you know? exactly. There's nothing wrong with old TS. Yeah, I like when people explain things to me, like explain music without judgment. Yeah. I get very bummed when people just are so impatient with me because they'll mention bands and songs, and I'll be like, I don't. I honestly, I don't yeah. know. I don't. Well, that's know. how I am with a lot of pop music, and um, I feel embarrassed about that. So yeah. there you go. Like, there's no. If it you're works. going, if you're, if you're gonna go down the road of I don't know the same information you know. Yeah. We're all screwed. Yeah. Because there's just too much information now for yeah. anybody to be like in the know about every goddamn that's thing. Totally true. Okay, let's get. Into 
this is mash game. Mash. Uh, first category I'm going to do for you uh-huh. is let's do three places that do not exist in reality uh, that you would like to have a vacation home. So that could be something out of a book, something out of a movie, Ooh. a video game, whatever. Um, three, places three places that don't exist in reality that I would like to have a vacation home. Mm-hmm. Um, Narnia, I guess, is one that comes to mind. Right. I don't know exactly why. Um, Harry Potter. Yeah, ditto. Um, and a place that doesn't exist in reality. Um, I'm trying to think of uh, like beaches and water mm-hmm. and <laughs> that sort of thing. Um, oh, the Shire. Oh, nice. Yeah, great. Okay, awesome. Uh, let's do... Okay, now we're going to do second... Uh, this is sort of your second place you can disappear into uh, real places in the world that you would love to have a vacation home. Ooh, real places. I'm just stacking you up with like lots yeah. of escapes. Um, the French Polynesian. Great. Um, probably say... Oh, the Maldives, I guess. They're almost the same thing, but... Who cares? I'll you like what you like. that. Uh, and then New Zealand. Wonderful. And agreed. Okay. Three skills that you wake up with tomorrow that you've just sort of downloaded Matrix style. So you Ooh. suddenly are an expert at three things. Singing. Great. Um, Spanish. <laughs> Great. And cooking. Okay, next category, three uh, famous funny people from any era that um, you wish you could have like a two-person like a two-person show with, whether it's like you're just writing together or you're performing together oh, or both. Funny things from any era. Bugs Bunny. Huge <laughs> <laughs> comedy icon Beautiful. of mine. Beautiful. Um, I get Will Ferrell. Great. Would be great. Um, and... Uh, 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 let's see. Oh, my, my younger brother, Tim. Oh, great. Yeah. He's one of the funniest people in the universe to me. Yeah. Fantastic. Okay. Uh, one of my perennial favorites, three foods that in this reality are not good for you for one reason or other, allergic, Mm -hmm. fatty, whatever. In this reality, everything that you could ever want is you can have at the snap of your finger in perpetuity. Um, with no physical or any any other negative ramifications. Sweet. Hell things. yeah. Uh, fond- as specific or as vague as you want. Fondue. Great. These are all going to be cheese-based. Wonderful. Dairy-based. <laughs> I'm in a cheese-based society. Um, ooh, chocolate peanut butter ice cream. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to go straight up macaroni and cheese. Great. This is how the game is played. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, this is a mash game, so all due respect to any significant others, we <laughs> will do three people, could be characters from a movie, mm-hmm. anyone from any given time period, uh, book, anything, three um, romantic partners. Three romantic partners. Okay, Um. let's see. I think I would do... Who comes to mind immediately? Oh, um. what's his face? His character on the OC... Um, um, <laughs> so I'm not gonna be able to help much on this one. Wait, it was um, uh, Brody. What's his Brody's his last name? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not Adrian Brody, but his the younger one. Yeah, what the fuck I, is his name? 
Because that was Adam like, Brody. Yes, Adam okay. Brody. Okay, that was like Ooh, we got there. Did you ever listen to or watch that show on MTV called Undressed? Yes, and now I can't. Right. So it's yeah. basically like these soap opera narrative kind right. of things about like right, kids right. in high school and yes. college and yes. like all the like sexual misadventures of them. And Adam Brody was on an episode. <gasps> I remember watching it and being like, "This kid is so attractive. Who is this person?" And then cut to years later, <gasps> uh-huh. he shows up on the OC, and I was like, "That was the mm-hmm. guy." I from called the thing. it. Yeah, but I didn't have the internet that time to like mm-hmm. look him up. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so him, Barack Obama, right? Um, and, uh, let's see, who is supportive and interesting and funny and great, um, Andrew Dice Clay. Totally kidding. I was like, just like, let me think of the antithesis of every word that just came out of your mouth. All due respect to Andrew Dice Clay, who I'm sure is, well, am I sure? He's doing okay. He's he's doing okay. Fi- I'm sure he's fine. Um, let's go with... Uh, this is... I'm taking this very seriously. No, I appreciate it. Listen, I really appreciate it. Um, I'll do Andrew Garfield. Oh, great. Sure. Andrew Garfield, wonderful. Uh, yeah, three movies that you can jump into. You're not playing a character inside. You're just kind of going into that world. Um, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Um, Mean Girls. Great. Be interesting. And, uh, Monty Python. Great. Uh, this is apropos of nothing. I just realized, I don't know what made me think. No, it was, I think it was Eternal Sunshine. I just remembered that I had a dream last night that was going on and on forever. I don't usually have dreams like this. Uh-huh. I had a dream last night that I couldn't find my car in a multi-level parking garage <gasps> at night. Oh no. And then I woke up and was like, ugh. I woke up like groaning like, yeah. ugh, what an annoying dream. Yeah. Like that's not what dreams are supposed to be for. Got up, went pee, fell back asleep and continued no. the dream of looking for my no. fucking car no, no, in no. a garage. I have done I've th- exhausted from uh, looking for my car all night. I've had similar anxiety ridden dreams <sighs> like that. And that's like actual like nightmare scenario. Like yeah. I imagine at some point like I've come close where it's taken me way longer than it should and start to get like the sweaty panic of how do I get out of here yeah uh but that's interesting you should look up what that means are you a big like dream meaning person I like it in the sense of I sort of like any of those tools which is even if it's bullshit if it unlocks something in your mind like the same with astrology you know yeah if if that's something that you can attach to and go you know what Maybe it is. Like, maybe yeah. I do need to work on this. Or maybe I do tend to be this kind of person. Totally, or you totally. can look at it and go, that doesn't apply to me. And, yeah, yeah, and yeah. In which case, it's not a tool that helps you, you know? <laughs> um, okay. Oh, actually, let's do a brand new category based on uh, that idea. Okay. So uh, three dreams tonight. Like, these are three dreams I would love to have when I fall asleep tonight. Ooh. Okay. Three dreams I'd love to have falling asleep tonight. Um, just flying. Great. With, love a flying dream. Um... Uh, uh, the three dreams. Let's say I, um, oh, I go back to South Jersey, and it's somehow miraculously this inspiring, wonderful, creative <laughs> matrix of, yeah. playground. Wonderful alternate dimension. Um, and then I, uh, my team wins Quidditch. Great, great, <laughs> great. Okay. Uh. 
just you know how I gotta do this little squiggle so yeah I get my isn't it so, so funny that this is I always wondered because I do the exact same thing well. growing up that yeah I'm like when did these rules get established I know who made this up and we had the same ones on the east coast that. that you clearly had on the yeah. west coast so usually really there's some stuck. sort of like regionalism to yeah. it but oh totally totally yeah. um okay so tell me when to stop okay stop okay I'm gonna pause this do some I mean, listen, it's about as much math as you guys did in your music video and your math <laughs> yeah, class. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so I'm going to pause this to the listener. It will seem as if no time has passed. Ooh. And I will reveal your 100% guaranteed fictional MASH future. Oh, perfect. Okay. Let's see. Where do I want to start? All right. I'm going to rip the Band-Aid off. Okay. Now, you did get a shack. Okay. But that's okay. it's in the Maldives. Now, listen. You, what we're talking about here is a beautiful hut type spa kind of like right on the water what are you gonna you don't want a mcmansion bumped up against like the beautiful water and the sand cleaning it it's much more manageable that's not what you're there for you're not there to like have a big screen tv (laughs) so good work Uh you actually got the exact right thing for the place uh, uh, you also, by the way, if you want to, uh, escape into other places, I want you to rest assured you can also go right on into the Shire. Oh, sweet. Beautiful. Just lay in the hills. Just lay in those hills. Yeah. Just rub the furry feet of those hobbits. Yeah. Feel taller than I've ever feel felt tall- in my life. <laughs> As if you and I need help with that. Yeah. Um, you can also, if you are, uh, in the mood for something even more sort of like that has a surreal element tinged with like that perfect, happy, sad feeling rest assured you can go right into eternal sunshine of the spotless mind oh nice wonderful whoa yeah what an emotional spectrum um if you feel like you need to take a break from that and just like have some laughs i want you to know you've done some really great comedic work with bugs bunny oh (laughs) name a more iconic duo i cannot i cannot madam uh you are also now listen you are fabulous Uh chef so you can cook whatever you want amazing all that being said also rest assured that if all you want is some delicious chocolate peanut butter ice cream, <gasps> ain't nothing doing. You can have it at the snap oh. of your fingers. Nothing bad's going to come oh, of it. My, it's just always going to taste great and you're never going to feel full. Oh, my bowels are so <laughs> thrilled. <laughs> so it. that's a special gift to your vowels. Your vowels. Your vowels. <laughs> uh, you are sharing uh, all of these good times with the very adorable Andrew Garfield. Okay. Fun. Cute. And uh, tonight, if for some reason you want to take a break from this future that lies right outside your door and uh, and just relax into a beautiful dream, I want you to know you're going to have a flying dream tonight. That's what we all want. Yay! A beautiful, freeing feeling of flying. Yes, I love it. And that m- might be the only thing I have <laughs> might really happen tonight. Yeah, I'm like, that's the one that sounds but we've like implanted could happen. it now. We've yeah. implanted it now. So let me know because, and right when your head touches the pillow tonight, be like, oh, I'm going to have a flying dream and let's yeah. see if we can manifest Ooh, that. Ooh, okay. Um, Grace, thank you so much for doing the podcast. Of course, thank I you I love so doing yours. Um, I'm so uh, smug and satisfied for the many people who have said, I cannot believe you guys haven't done a podcast yeah. together that we got them back twice. Twice. Revenge twice is over. sweet. Get it. Um, people, was there anything new you want people to know about do you want uh, no, I mean you're on um, social media obviously yeah at Grace Hobbing on everything and then not too deep you're coming on an upcoming episode Love. and then uh, Mamrie and I just started our own podcast called this might get weird so right. those are in all the areas that you listen to your podcast go find them everybody what mm-hmm. do you do wait I said go find why are you still here <laughs> go find those do it uh, I'll talk to you next time on the podcast
The show is recorded by me and edited by Julian Burrell. And as always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by the amazing Say Hi. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.